The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. To another, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord O Lord, may your word only be spoken, and may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Robert, you usually do a great job with hymns. And yes, I'm speaking to you, Robert. <laughs> Wonderful text of the hymn just now. Thank you. Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go toward Jerusalem. While Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem with clear resolution and determination and certitude, most of us don't share that resolution, that certitude, that clear sense of what our direction is. And maybe if we know the destination, maybe we know it, but we don't understand the fullness of what it means to have that destination. In following or trying to keep up with the one who knows exactly where he's going, we may find ourselves in completely unfamiliar territory, disoriented, missing those parts of our lives that seemed solid and safe and secure, or at least familiar. Or we may find ourselves divided by choices of different kinds of goods, The three three travelers Jesus meets this morning demonstrate this conflictedness as they contemplate following the one, Jesus, who knows where he's going. I think that we're meant to try to follow Jesus like these three travelers contemplate. We're meant to follow Jesus in the ordinary circumstances of our lives, which are usually without drama, usually without obvious dilemmas most of the time. But I think we're also meant to sometimes set apart times and places to follow Jesus in a more specialized, kind of set apart kind of way. 
like an intentional pilgrimage to a particular place for the purpose of seeking greater intimacy with God and a greater sense of God's purpose in our lives. Most of you know that uh, April Pruitt and Gaylord Bernalson and I have been preparing along with six pilgrims to go to Ireland on a pilgrimage, so you can imagine why this theme of pilgrimage has been on my mind. And part of the reading and research that I've done on this has yielded some interesting tidbits about pilgrimage Irish style. Starting in the 5th century or so, Irish monks began wandering away from Ireland. And for the next 500 years or so, they flooded Western Europe and, according to some, almost single-handedly preserved civilization and the Christian faith in the face of the barbarian hordes that had overrun and were in control of Europe for much of that time. Well, one of the ways that these Irish monk pilgrims went on pilgrimage was in a little boat called a coracle. Maybe some of you have heard of what a coracle is. A coracle is a little round boat made of pieces of wood that have animal skins stretched over them. So if you can imagine like a little, a little bowl with animal skins as the hull, if you will. And what they did was simply get in these little coracles in the water and push themselves out. No paddles, no oars, no sails, no keel, nothing. They just pushed off from the shore. They simply drifted where the currents and the winds took them for Christ's sake. Purposefully and intentionally, they chose this life as the way that they were going to love Christ. A life which, I'll speak for, to my, speak for myself, seems pretty random. They had absolutely no idea where they were going, only that they were giving up all that they knew, the people, the land they loved, for the love of Christ. In order to experience the power of Christ in serving Him wherever they went, and in whomever they met. And some of these monks left behind writings, some of them prose, some of them poems, which really speak to the ache that they felt, the real ache that they felt in leaving this place and these people that they loved so much. They knew what they were giving up. And yet, for the love of Christ, and with no idea where they were going, they left and they followed. Because, I think, they believed that even though they didn't know where they were going, the one they followed did know where they were going. The one they sought and followed knew where they were going. What are we willing to leave behind in order to follow the one who knows where we are going even if we don't. I suspect most of us fairly prosperous Western Christians in a society that grants us freedom of religion, freedom of worship, we haven't made the kind of dramatic sacrifices that these Irish monks made and that people all over the world, Christians, are making now in the face of danger 
and practicing their faith. Most of us haven't experienced the harsh disruptions in family circumstances and in social status and in physical life itself that the early Christians faced that Jesus even references a bit in the gospel this morning. You can't even bury your father. Forget that. You're going to follow me. Leave him behind. Most of us haven't experienced that kind of disruption. And yet, the things that separate us from God and from our neighbor, we probably have a very clear sense of what those things are. Jesus identifies some of them in the gospel today, kind of obliquely, you know, conventions that these potential followers feel they need to follow. We know our own need for control of ourselves and for others. We know our own need for perfection gets in the way, our own perfection, the perfection of others that we desire. We know that our own fears and our own angers and our own resentments are blocks in intimacy between God and ourselves and God and our neighbor. And we may also have the sense that we are trying, we really are trying to follow Christ in the midst of all that surrounds us. And yet we really have no idea where we're going, really. A useful image for the Christian life in this regard could be the labyrinth. Some of you may have seen labyrinths before, or maybe even walked a labyrinth, or maybe you've heard about labyrinths. A labyrinth is a circular pattern that looks like a maze. It looks like a maze, but it's not a maze. It has a center, like some mazes do, where you're trying to get. But the difference from a maze is that a labyrinth does not try to trick you. There is one entrance and one path to that middle, which is the destination. There's one path, one entrance. But the path, single though it may be, is anything but direct. It couldn't be more... If you walk the other direction, it might feel more direct than the path of the labyrinth. And if you're walking it with other people, especially, it seems that everyone is in a different place, which in fact, they are. And they're walking towards you and past you, and, and if, it's, if the path is kind of narrow, you have to turn your shoulders maybe a bit. You, when you walk this place, walk this labyrinth with other people, there's a real sense that you really are alone in your location. Although you see other people all around you, no one is in the same place as you are. Although the direction is common. In April, the pilgrims made a pilgrimage to the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City. Some of you may have been to that amazing, amazing space. And part of the experience of our overnight there was round about midnight, I think it was, something like that, midnight. It was late, past our bedtime. They laid out an enormous canvas labyrinth, probably 40 feet across, in the nave there, in, the, in this massive space, for us to consider walking. And there were 90 of us all together from all up and down the eastern seaboard. 90 pilgrims, uh, kids and chaperones. 
And at the entrance to the path of the labyrinth, we were given a shell, which was to represent some kind of burden that we were carrying at that moment. Some kind of fear, some kind of sadness, some kind of anger, perhaps even some kind of joy that we were thankful for. But something that was, that was deeply on our hearts was meant to be symbolized in this shell that we were given. And then we were to walk the path and lay the shell down in the center of the labyrinth. The symbol of letting that go, whatever that was. Now, this was not a required activity. Especially in a group that size, there was plenty of anonymity. If you decided that you didn't want to do this, a lot of people likely weren't going to notice. But what I found interesting is that every single person, every single person did it. And that says to me that somehow, everyone there, whether they had done a lab before or believed it could help them or not, on some level, they were able to trust that even though they didn't know exactly what they were doing or where they were going, there was going to be something there, something there for them, some kind of meaning that was going to be particular to them. And although I think our group didn't speak extensively on that, at least not in my hearing and uh, not in public, I believe that, that our pilgrims, I know I did, were really moved by what we experienced in that labyrinth time. I think if we take a step back from this and maybe imagine our lives as kind of a labyrinth, you know, we're on a path, we trust that it's going to the destination. We walk past people, we brush past people and situations not of our own choosing, some of them of our own choosing, but lots not of our own choosing. And we keep in mind that we know who we're following. We know who we're following. And he knows where he's going, even if we don't. Jesus knows where we are going if we follow him. Jesus will lead us through danger, disappointment, anger, through these things to hope. He'll lead us through sadness, through bitterness, through confusion, through uncertainty, always through those things to hope. Always to hope. Amen.